At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vdw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus this is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. Well, I think Coach has been very clear that Mitch is, Mitch is one, and he's working with the ones and doing a real good job with that. And, and um, you know, Mason is his two, and, and Kenny is three, and we're working it that way based on experience, based on resumes, and, and Coach made that decision. So you can read that. You know, I don't, I don't want to answer your question for you. You can read whatever you want into it. That's, we've been very clear where that is. But we've also been very clear that this is a real laid-out plan of how we're going to evolve and find who our quarterback's going to be for the 2022 season, and that's where we are with it. If all that is true from Matt Canada, then we've got to start looking at the Steelers' decision to draft Kenny Pickett in the first round a little differently, don't we? I am Tim Bench. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a Madden Monday. Mark Madden from 105.9 The X is coming up later. The U.S. Open begins on Thursday, and Bet Rivers is giving you extra reasons to tune in and play. Just log in each day of the U.S. Open and receive a free profit boost to power up your tournament bet. Every round, a new boost for you to use before the round starts or while players are on the course. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Make your U.S. Open bets every day and get an extra boost while doing it at BetRivers. Go to the BetRivers app or visit BetRivers.com, presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21 gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Rory McIlroy is still the favorite at plus 900. Justin Thomas is at plus 1,100 next. Then John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler at plus 1,400. Then there's a bit of a jump before the next group of odds come in. We talk golf with Brian Taylor of Real Golf Radio later this week to see what he has to say about the Open. 
not only that tournament, but also the live golf conversation and how it's impacting the PGA Tour. NBA Finals Game 5 tonight. Celtics plus 140 on the money line at the Warriors. Minus 4 is the spread. The Warriors minus 167 on the money line. The over-under is 211.5. Warriors money line getting 75% of the money, 62% of the tickets. The Warriors spread 51% of the money, 56% of the tickets. The over is pulling in 59% of the money and 71% of the tickets. The Celtics have won eight straight games following a loss as a favorite. That was the case in game four. The Celtics have covered the spread in eight of their last nine road games as underdogs against the Warriors. Geez, when the line is this narrow, maybe just take them on the money line then at plus 140. Eight of the Warriors' last nine home games against the Celtics have gone under, so that's one to keep in mind. We told you 59% of the money is coming in on the over. The Warriors, by the way, it's uh, 211.5 if you didn't catch it the first time. The Warriors have won the third quarter in the four previous NBA Finals games, so that's definitely something to consider while you're live betting what the Warriors are going to do coming out of the locker room after halftime. Interesting note to keep in mind there. Now, if my Celtics and six prediction is going to come through, I'm going to have to be a big-time green teamer tonight. I'm thinking of hedging a little bit, though, because I feel while the Celtics can still win the series, it may not be in six, and I don't love them tonight. As for the Stanley Cup Finals, Game 1, Wednesday, June the 15th, Lightning, plus 133 on the money line at the Avalanche, minus 157 on the money line. The over-under is six. The Avalanche, 51% of the money is coming in on the money line, 65% of the tickets. On the spread, 65% of the money is coming in on the Avalanche, 62% of the tickets. The over at six, 73% of the money, 68% of the tickets. And boy, with the propensity for Tampa to keep games under, and you don't have a five-and-a-half hook to worry about. Colorado has been off for a while. The abs may be rusty. The under is at minus 105 as opposed to the over being at minus 113. I do like the under given all that. I took the abs to win. I'm regretting a little bit not going with the puck line at plus 155. That could have been a good bet instead of the minus 157 of the money line. I could see sort of a... 3-1 game, maybe 4-2 to get a push on that over-under with an empty netter. That's the kind of game I'm sensing. I took the Avs to win the series as well at minus 182. I'm disappointed that the line is where it is. Uh, I think I told you last week that I was expecting the line for the series for the Avs to win it to be in the 167 to 172 range. I figured the disparity in goaltending reputation would keep it closer I anticipated that enough people would get suckered into going with Tampa because of Vasilevsky, that the line would stay much more narrow than it is. Uh, in fact, the number keeps going up. It's at minus 195, which is really stunning to me. Rare are the times when you have an underdog team with a goaltender or quarterback so much better than the favorite, but that team is still a significant underdog, and that's what we have here. Vasilevsky is significantly better than either Kemper or Francois yet the money apparently is pouring in on the Avs. That's a true wild card to me, and if Vasilevsky answers the bell, this could be a big win for the books. I mean, look at who the Avs beat along the way in net. They missed Soros. 
of the Preds. They knocked out Bennington in St. Louis, so they got Huso for the rest of the second round. Then they got Mike Smith in round three. Getting Vasilevsky next is a monumental step up for the skaters of the Avalanche. We'll talk about that more with Mark Madden. Then we got some baseball, and now we're fully back into bet against the Pirates mode. Losers of six in a row. They have scored more than three runs in a game just once in their last eight contests. Once. So the individual team run line against the Pirates is, I think, the way to go of late. It's right at that mark against the Cardinals tonight at under three and a half. It pays out still at plus 112, so why not? Although I guess here is the why not, because you'd be betting on a rookie for the Cardinals making his first start. Zach Thompson gets the call today for the Redbirds as the first of three rookies scheduled to start in this series at Bush. Matthew Libertor will pitch the first game in the Tuesday day-night doubleheader tomorrow, and Andre Pallant will start Wednesday. Jack Flaherty, uh, shoulder bursitis, Stephen Matz, shoulder impingement, Jordan Hicks, forearm flexor strain, they are all injured. Thompson will make his first start and second appearance at the big league level. In his debut, he earned a four-inning save during a 14-5 victory over the Cubs on June the 3rd. He allowed one run on three hits and a walk after taking over for Miles Mikolas. Thompson was the 19th overall pick in the 2019 draft. Two and two, four, six, seven, and ten starts for AAA Memphis. So his AAA number's not that great, but a good first outing against Chicago. With the way the Pirates are hitting, it's a bet to me that still makes some sense, even though he is a rookie. Mitch Keller pitching for the Pirates. Actually, Keller's been okay of late. His number's crappy on the season, 2-5 and five and a 5-2-6 ERA. But a 2-6-5 ERA, striking out 18 batters in 17 innings, going 2-0 and oh his last four outings. Keller delivered six strong innings in his last start, a 3-1 loss to the Detroit Tigers. He struck out seven and allowed just one run on four hits and two walks. Maybe the under is the way to go today with the fact that the Pirates aren't scoring any runs at all, plus 100 money line at nine for the total. That's where I'm leaning on the Pirates game today. All right, when we come back, Mark Madden from 105.9 The X and Trib Live will join us for our weekly Madden Monday podcast, and we'll get into some Steeler conversation too as it relates to the quarterbacks coming out of minicamp. That's on the way here on the Pittsburgh CityCast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Back with you in 30 seconds. Bet River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to sign up. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh, must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Our weekly Madden Monday podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to betrivers.com. Tim Benz, Mark Madden with you. You can listen to Mark Monday through Friday on 105.9 The X, the home of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Pens have long since been out of the playoffs, but we are on to the Stanley Cup Finals. And Mark, this is the final series I was looking forward to watching, and I think that became... Abundantly clear early in the Florida Panthers series for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, I thought Avalanche were the best team in the West, and it's pretty clear that Tampa is still the top dog in the East. Well, I would have rather seen Edmonton and Tampa because it would have 
as I've said repeatedly, had that feel of 83 and 84 when the dynasty New York Islanders played Edmonton with Gretzky. And uh, the Islanders won in 83, but the Oilers uh, won the final in 84 and, and started their own dynasty throughout the rest of the decade. But, but this is close enough. Uh, it has the new best team against the old best team. All it's missing is the new best player. And McKinnon and McCarr are close enough in that regard as well. So, yeah, this final has everything. I heard you talking to, I think it was maybe Mike Rupp, Mark, and you brought up the prospect of, is McCarr potentially the best player in hockey? Yeah, I've talked about that with a lot of people. Uh, Dan Rosen, John Butchergrass, Mike Rupp. Um, I think he's the second best for sure. I, I find it hard to jump him over McDavid. But as Dan Rosen of NHL.com said on my show last week, McCarr's a guy that, that the other team has to worry about where he is all the time. And very few teams have defensemen like that. And to just kind of uh, jump ahead, although we don't know the fate of Chris Letang in Pittsburgh yet, whether he stays or he goes, Letang fits that description as well. And there are very few defensemen like that. Mark, has there been a time in hockey where the best player in hockey has been a defenseman since Bobby Orr? Uh, no, that that's actually a very good point. No, the best player in hockey has never been a defenseman since Bobby Orr. I have a lot easier time naming the best forwards in history than I do the best defensemen. There haven't been nearly as many dominant in the back. Uh, my top three are Bobby Orr, who I saw play, very fortunate to, to have done so. Doug Harvey, who I never saw play, but the guy won a kajillion Norris trophies in a row before Orr. So I'm, I'm going off that. And then I would put Glitstrom our old friend from the Detroit Red Wings at number three. But after that, I don't want to say nose dives, but the level of dominance, like even, even Lidstrom and Harvey weren't point producers like uh, Bobby Orr and like Kale McCarr is uh, shaping up to be and getting more of all the time. Lidstrom was the name I was going to raise there, Mark, because I was trying to manufacture an argument in my head where perhaps he was the best player for a sliver of time on those great Red Wing teams before Crosby ascended to the top spot and before Ovechkin came in the league. But even then, there was probably in each and every one of those years where he was at the top of the game, Norris Trophy candidate with the Red Wings each and every season, there probably was at least one forward who had a more dynamic season. Uh, yeah, but Lidstrom was why they won. You know, th those Red Wings that won a bunch of cups, they had Iserman, they had Dotsuk, they had a, a lot of great guys up front, but, but Lidstrom was the reason they won. Mark Madden with us. It is a Madden Monday podcast. You can read him four times a week in Trib Live. Listen to him Monday through Friday on 105.9 The X. You know, I, I look at the matchup in this series, and I see one thing that the Lightning have managed to, I don't even necessarily want to say change about their game, but rely on more in their game. The overall team defense, the goaltending of Vasilevsky. I mean, how many times in the Stanley Cup playoffs have they been under the total mark? I think it was eight of nine going into the last game or two games was the time I saw the stat against the Rangers. I'm wondering how much they can control the attack of the Avalanche and maybe tilt the series to their advantage. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I like Colorado to win, but I think Vasilevsky can beat them. That, that's kind of the short version of what you just said. But uh, it's tough to bet against Vasilevsky. 
especially when Colorado's goaltending situation is a bit uh, up in the air right now. Well, that's a great point by you, and I think maybe we might have talked about this on Madden Ben's Unfiltered before, but how often, if ever, do you see a final series, a Stanley Cup final, where the goaltending is so dynamically tilted toward the betting underdog? Like it's it's rare when that's the case. Yeah, and if 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 Tampa gets off to a good start, like wins the the first game, you know, then they can kind of turn the screw, utilizing that advantage. Uh, and what if you know Kemper or I, I don't even know how to pronounce the backup's name, Tim Francois. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> He's no Louis Domingue, that's for sure. Uh, you know, what if what if whoever's in goal for Colorado lets in a couple bad ones? I mean. This series is on a knife's edge, even though it has all the potential to be, I don't want to say lopsided, but if, if Colorado won in five, it wouldn't surprise you. If Tampa won in seven, it wouldn't surprise you either. I had some people that I know, Mark, that were by the end of the series rooting for the Rangers against Tampa. I couldn't bring myself to that, and the rationale was, well, I just don't want to see Tampa win it again. I don't know. Tampa being a perennial champion, a repeat champion doesn't offend me in any way. I like how they put their team together. Largely, I like how they play the game. I like their stars. I love their goaltender. I don't have a problem seeing Tampa win again if that's the case. No, and this notion that will it diminish the Penguins having won two in a row? Well, three's more than two, but diminish isn't a word I would use. I mean, you win what you win, however many in a row. It just, you know, I don't see the two as something we have to just drive the comparison down our own throats. So hey, if Tampa wins, well-deserved. I think that's a feather in Vasilevsky's cap more than anything. Although, boy, guys like Stamkos, I mean, what a playoff he's had. The old firm, the guys who won those cups, the most prominent among the most experienced, they're really coming through. Mark, I found myself transfixed late last week. I wrote about it in the Trib. I couldn't stop reading the list of top 25 trade targets that Frank Saravelli put out there on the Daily Faceoff. And I'm looking at this list, and I'm saying, my goodness, how great would it be if the Penguins had, say, oh, I don't know, $16.7 million of cap space as opposed to last year tied up in Malkin and Latang that they could use to maybe reshape their team with some of these players uh, it's out there. These guys are gettable if they have the cap space. Now, I don't know if they have the collateral in terms of prospects and picks, but I was fascinated looking at names like Debrinkit, Fiala, Miller. Some of these guys, I think, would be great fits for the Penguins, but if they're so sold on bringing back Latang and Malkin, it's largely going to be a moot point. Well, I heard uh, just today they're going to make a real legitimate run at keeping Latang, and they're going to make an offer big enough where the ball's in his court. Uh, signing Latang is a bigger priority than signing Malkin. And again, like Dan Rosen said, Latang's a guy, well, he, he was referring to Makar, but it applies to Latang. Not many teams have defensemen you have to worry about every minute they're out there. So if the goal is to make the playoffs and keep that streak alive, then yeah, I mean, bringing back Latang to me virtually guarantees that. Although I turn to worry about the Flyers if Barry Trotz, who's an excellent turnaround coach, if he takes over in Philadelphia. But uh, but I think the Penguins with Latang make the playoffs next year. But as, as Dan and I talked about as well, remember when the Red Wings made the playoffs 25 years in a row? They were so intent on keeping that streak alive. They crippled their team further for the long run by propping it up, you know, near the end, keeping veterans, signing veterans. And uh, now they haven't made the playoffs for six straight years. 
And in four of those last five years, they did make the playoffs, Tim. They didn't get out of the first round. That that may sound familiar, except no. the Penguins haven't even made it out of the first <laughs> round, you know, once since they um, – well, no, no, they actually in 2018 they did. So there you go. Petrie was the name that uh, Sarah Valley mentioned as what amounted to, he didn't use this phrase, but Latang light if they don't keep Latang. And, boy, that would have intrigued me two years ago, Mark, but not so much this year. Uh, Petri compared to Latang isn't Latang light. He's a Xerox of a Xerox of a Xerox of a Xerox of a Xerox ad infinitum. No, not, not a comparison remotely so. The one that he brought up, you know, of attainable guys, uh, tradable, I shouldn't say guys, tradable assets that just made my eyes pop was, uh, are the Devils really considering trading the number two pick? And what could the Penguins throw at them to move up that high to be in the Logan Cooley sweepstakes? Yeah, I don't think that I would do that. I think the price would be way too high. As much as I like Logan Cooley, you know, not him. There's talk he may go first. Yeah, I've, I've seen that. I've heard that. And, I, you know, I don't know if maybe people are seizing on what Fitzgerald said a little too literally. That kind of felt like a Kevin Colbert kind of quote to me where you say anything just to get through the media obligation. Well, well Tim, I'm sure, I'm sure the Devils would listen to offers. I mean, EJ listened to offers for the pick got Mario. Yeah. They don't want to give away picks. We all know Hextall hates to give away picks, so I don't think they could be in the running for it, unfortunately. You'd literally have to give up something like Jake Gensel to get that pick. And, and even then, if I'm New Jersey, I don't do it. That's exactly what I said too, Mark, is that Gensel and Crosby are the only two untouchables for the Penguins, and it would take Gensel. And, and I think that's probably where any talks would fall apart. I think it would take Gensel and something else. Because, yeah. like I said, the age difference. Exactly. Yeah, because you're getting Cooley on the first contract and you're getting Cooley with all the merchandising and opportunities for the local kid I mean it would be better than the Kenny Pickett story on skates it would be if Dan Marino stayed home Mark I mean I think the kid can be that good yeah no no question about that uh, but the Penguins aren't going to get him I just hope he doesn't go to Arizona because his career would be lost you mean <laughs> that's the hockey equivalent of going into witness protection <laughs> Like, did you, did you see they're trying to get that new stadium in Arizona? And, and Clayton Keller, some other players, were like, talk to the committee that, you know, to try to plead for the stadium, for the, for the new arena, rather. I'd be like, don't build it. Out of here. <laughs> you can't make me testify. I'm not going to testify. They're pleading their own case to stay in a terrible spot, whereas I'm sure if they went anywhere else, they'd be happier. Yeah, at the end, Phil Kessel could be in the back going, an apology, Senator, an apology. <laughs> Mark Madden with us, 105.9 The X, brought to us again by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. We'll be in for Mark on Friday where I'm at the Rivers Casino, so make sure you're listening then. Um, Mark, let's get to what happened last week during minicamp for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, Matt Canada's quotes at the start of the week about how transparent they're being with the quarterback situation well, yeah, transparent if you're watching, not transparent if you're saying anything. He made it say, you know, sound like Mike. <laughs> and and not, not transparent if you're believing, because yeah. I'm not believing. <laughs> uh, although, I, I do think Trubisky, Tim, the more I look at it and the more I reconcile the situation with the way the Steelers like to do things, I think Trubisky's going to start the whole season. And if he does and they make the playoffs or miss by a game, he'll start next season too. That's just how they operate. I think, and again, they'll never say this. I keep stressing, don't wait for the quote because it's not going to come. But I, 
I feel 100% confident now in saying something I believe since the schedule came out, that first six-game gauntlet has played a major role in their thinking. Yeah, but I, I think if they come out of there even three and three, or even two and four, they may feel like they weathered the storm and, and leave Trubisky in there. I just That's how they do things, Tim. I thought originally there would be a preordained plan where Trubisky plays and they go two and four and then comes in, but that's just not how they operate. That's what I would do. That's probably what you would do, but that's just not how they operate. Then if that's the case, Mark, and I'm advancing this point for a column I'm running in the Trib, uh, people can read it on Monday. If that's the case, then we need to, moving forward, just drop the part of the narrative of Kenny Pickett being a cable-ready quarterback, and he's 24, and he's got 49 starts under his belt, because, you know what, I guess it doesn't matter all that much. You could have taken Malik Willis and gotten the year to groom him if you wanted him anyway. I mean, I'm not saying Willis is better than Pickett, but if part of their thinking was we got to get Pickett because he's more NFL-ready, that doesn't matter if you do go with Trubisky for the whole year, or even 10 or 11 games. Hey, don't look at me. I said it was a rotten pick before it was made. No, no, I mean, I mean seriously, 24... 49 starts at Pitt. If you didn't draft him to play, you shouldn't have drafted him. And if he's so good, if he's your long-term quarterback, how'd he drop all the way to pick number 20? And why isn't he starting right away? And I'd even go back to the six-game thing, Mark, where, you know, if you're likely to not come out of that better than a, a win or two with Trubisky, why not get Pickett ramped up and get him used to what NFL is like for the games that you can win for the next 11 weeks? Tim... I'm with you, but I just understand how they operate. Too many people project what they think is going to happen, not looking at how they operate. Now, that said, I think Trubisky's going to have a good season. I think he's going to be a reason that they don't totally suck. Uh, I think the two things that has to happen for them to contend for a playoff spot throughout the season, which I think they will do, by the way. I don't think they're going to make it. I think they'll come up just short of like maybe, you know, eight and nine. But the two things that have to happen is Trubisky has to play like I think he can. If Trubisky, even at 27, would have been available in this year's draft him, he would have been the first quarterback taken. So he has to play good, and T.J. Watt has to play all the games, which is a long shot. People always say, well, they went 9-3 and three in the games where he played the entirety last year. Okay, did the other games count in the standings? Because I'm pretty sure they did. People always overlook what the purposes of a high-priced player is. It's not to set records like Watt did. It's not to get defensive players like Watt did. It's to contribute to winning as many games as possible. Key phrase being as possible, T.J. Watt did not do that. Alex Highsmith on the other side setting an over-under for himself of at least double-digit sacks. So if I say <laughs> over-under... Did he really say that? Yeah, he said that uh, he, <laughs> he should be in the 10 to 12 range is what he said. He's gotten eight so far in two years. Uh, I'm going to say under on that one, Mark. How about you? Tim, he's going to be in the five maybe range, I think. I, I just, you know, you know, history has shown us, I believe, that Melvin Ingram was right, that he should have started. You know, he overreacted by forcing his way out probably, but he had a point, didn't he? And I don't know why. Well, I do know why, because Highsmith's a high-energy, good learner, good student, good pupil, 
coach's favorite kind of player, but it just he's doesn't a manifest. He's a kick-ass, Tim. That's what you're saying. <laughs> it hasn't manifested in sacks, and he's the first one to say it, and I'm the first one to say they need more sacks besides the ones that T.J. Watt's getting them. I, I know they led the league, but it would certainly help the cause if somebody on the other side, or Mark, just to say it, there's depth there, so when Watt doesn't play all the games like you talked about, because he won't, he'll miss games or he'll miss snaps or half a games or whatever, well, then they need somebody else to step in and do so better than what Highsmith did. Yeah, but there isn't depth there. I mean, what's that one guy, the Channel 2 weatherman, Kutzma? Is that his name? Uh, Derek Tuzka. See, now you almost talked me into saying it wrong. Tuzka. Oh, you say tomato, I say tomato. Yeah, I mean, like... People just ignore how many holes there are with this team. And edge rusher has no depth, and you could argue Highsmith's not even a starter at this level. Not a good one. Deontay Johnson, I'll echo what you said. I think it was on your Friday program, Mark, that just because other teams are overpaying for wide receivers doesn't mean the Steelers have to. Like, I was laughing on Twitter when everybody was making the Hunter Renfro argument. I'm looking at that and saying... You know, they're in exactly the same situation as the Steelers, which is they've got two other pass catchers they're paying or want to pay in Waller and Devontae Adams. They don't have to pay Renfro. They're just doing it because other teams are. And I don't think the Steelers have to. Uh, I don't think they should either. Uh, What do you hear about who's going to play the slot? Yeah, I was reading that this week too, that maybe he winds up in the slot and Pickens and Claypool are outside. But Dale Ollie was on my show, and he said there's no way Johnson winds up in the slot. Uh, they said there was no way Juju would either, and he did, and got a lot less catches, stats, and money because of it. If they put him in a slot, they're not going to get what they got out of Juju, which was at least somebody who could block and you know excelled at running in those traffic areas. I don't think that's been – in fact, that's been part of the excuse as to why Johnson drops as many balls as he does because he does it in traffic too much. Well, I've been told that uh, that uh, Claypool's going to play the slot. That's what Dale thought. And he has the frame to block, but usually can't be bothered. I I don't know. I, I was thinking that that's a good crew of wide receivers. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they don't they don't match. I, I think Fryerman's going to have a huge season, though. I think they're going to turn to him. I think Trubisky and he are going to be simpatico. Finally, Mark, why did Najee Harris make such a big deal out of his weight when nobody was criticizing his weight? I don't think he did. Didn't you think he was kidding? Um, no, I, I think because also what I've heard is that he was put off by the Jerome Bettis comparisons in the sense that he knew that. Yeah, because God forget he would turn out to be Jerome Bettis <laughs> well, part two. Well, exactly. Like, you know, he has to kind of keep that in mind. But he knew that Jerome wasn't carrying around 255 at like 4% body fat. Uh, it might have been only like 44% body fat at some times. But, you know, I, I just thought he I thought he took it um, as more of a criticism than what it was ever intended. Everybody was saying he looks great when they were talking about how big he was. My advice to Najee Harris would be, shut your mouth and know your role. You ain't done nothing yet. Finally, Mark, so much for those Pittsburgh Pirates at, what was it, 8 of 12. We were supposed to start celebrating the return of the oh, Pirates. When they, when they were 24-28, and 28, people were talking about wild cards. People were talking about they were going to take over the time. Where is your God now, priest? They, as a fan base and as a media core and the blogosphere around the Pirates, they celebrate little victories like no group I've ever seen. Well, that's because that's all they ever get. Yeah, it would be a sweep at the hand of the Braves, a sweep at the hand of the Tigers. And uh, it's just proof, Mark, that, you know, 
they're going to celebrate little things because, like you said, they can't celebrate anything of substance, which is why they celebrate things like having a good draft and passing it off as accomplishment. Want to know what I'm watching right now, Tim? I'm flipping back and forth between the Ontario Hockey League Finals <laughs> featuring Hamilton and Windsor and on the History Channel, Hitler, the post-war plan. Wait, so that was sort of like a, like if Man in the High Castle had come to real life is what you're watching, right? Well, Hitler's post-war plan says nothing about the OHL Finals. So this is kind of a, <laughs> a, a of, an, of an odd back and forth. Um I, w- I had I love the idea. I'm going to talk about this on my show of the great back and forth, like the flip back and forth, where two things you've seen but you like uh-huh. are both on at the same time. How about this for this morning, Tim? I flip back and forth between the George Carlin documentary, yep, and the very first Purge movie. Now those two things could intersect, especially with the way Carlin's comedy went by the end of his career. You know, I like it when a lot of people die. (laughs) Mark Madden, you can hear him Monday through Friday at 105.9 The X. Mark's out at the end of this week. I'll be in for Mark, and then Mark is back next week. You can also check him out four times a week at Trib Live. All right, so my thanks to Mark Madden from 105.9 The X and Trib Live. Let's get in a little bit more to that Matt Canada comment that you heard at the start of the podcast today. Uh, Wrote about it in the Trib for Monday. Canada laid out the Steelers quarterback competition and essentially based on his quote, we should trust our eyes as to what we were seeing during last week's minicamp practices. Let's, let's play the quote again here from Canada. Well, I think coach has been very clear that Mitch is, Mitch is one and he's working with the ones and doing a real good job with that. And, and um, you know, Mason is his two and, and Kenny is three and we're working it that way based on experience, based on resumes and, and coach made that decision. So you can read that, you know, I don't, I don't want to answer your question for you. You can read whatever you want into it. That's, we've been very clear where that is. But we've also been very clear that this is a real laid out plan of how we're going to evolve and find who our quarterback's going to be for the 2022 season. And that's where we are with it. What is left unsaid by Canada there is if Trubisky is terrible in training camp and the preseason, then Rudolph or Pickett could still take over. In Pittsburgh over the years, we've seen many other quarterback plans scrapped early on for various reasons, whether that's Ben Roethlisberger taking over for Tommy Maddox in week two of the 2004 regular season due to injury, then Big Ben holding on to the job for almost two decades. We saw Maddox take over for Cordell Stewart in week three of 2002, the year after Stewart got to a Pro Bowl in an AFC Championship game. We witnessed Jim Miller start Game 1 of the 1996 season, then Mike Tomczak started the next 15. In 1985, Mark Malone started 10 games, David Woodley started 6, and Scott Scott Campbell started 2. So pardon me if I'm a bit dubious of assuming that this allegedly laid-out plan is going to have that much staying power, especially with the six-game gauntlet that the Steelers have to start the season where it's divisional road game against the Bengals, Belichick and the Patriots at home in week two, divisional road game on a short week against the Browns in week three on a Thursday night. Then it's the Jets, so a little bit of a break, but then a road game in Buffalo and a home game against Tom Brady and the Bucks. But if that's what the Steelers are actually planning on, that Trubisky will be the one, Rudolph the two, and Pickett the three, especially because of, quoting Canada again here, experience and resume, then we really need to change one narrative about how and why the Steelers drafted Pickett in the first place. We need to start getting away from harping on Pickett being 24 years old and referencing his 49 starts at Pitt. 
We need to back off all the talk about his NFL-ready maturity and his ability to hit the ground running as a day-one starter to help the team in 2022 because apparently none of that mattered in the first place. It may have sounded nice on draft night, but if the plan was to go with Trubisky as the starter the whole time anyway, then that part of the analysis was just an easy way for Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin to explain away why they didn't draft Malik Willis out of Liberty instead. Or Michigan safety Dax Hill, or Utah linebacker Devin Lloyd, or Georgia defensive lineman Devontae Wyatt, or any of the other pre-draft speculated names that were still on the board. To that end, if the team genuinely thought, as so many speculated in advance of the draft, that Willis, who was eventually drafted at number 86 by the Titans, had higher upside than Pickett, but needed lots of seasoning, then they could have taken Willis and groomed him for a year or two under Trubisky. After all, if Trubisky falters, and part of the plan is laid out by candidates have Rudolph be the two, then Pickett lightly won't be in the mix on game days anyway. And that probably would have gone for Willis too. So what's the difference if either player was projected to be a third QB? The NFL-ready experience spin on the franchise's decision is reduced to nonsense then if the perceived plan is to have Pickett be the third quarterback on the depth chart until or unless the other two guys get hurt or stink. By extension, what the Steelers are truly telling us is that the choice of Pickett over Willis was solely based on talent evaluation. They flat out think that Pickett always has been and always will be better than Willis. The talking point of Willis being potentially better than Pickett someday if he had time to incubate and learn was empty filler the whole time. Furthermore, the whole concept that Pickett was a better choice than Willis or any other draftable player at 20 to help the Steelers improve on 9-7-1 a year ago to AFC title contenders in 2023 is equally null and void. Now, none of this is to say that drafting Pickett was a bad selection. If the Steelers truly think Pickett is a future franchise quarterback with Super Bowl upside and was the best QB on the board, then taking him at number 20 was the right thing to do. Now, Pickett just better prove him right, and they better hope that someday Willis doesn't prove him wrong. It just appears we're going to have to wait a little while for either QB to get their chance to prove their side of the point. All right, that'll do it for the Pittsburgh CityCast today. Glad that you were with us. Hope you're with us again tomorrow. Brian Metzer of the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network will join us. As always, we talk hockey with Mets. We will continue to do so throughout the Stanley Cup Finals. And I'm sure we'll get into some free agency and trade talk with Mets as well. He'll be a valuable asset in July, too. Uh, We will be taking some time off in July. Uh, I'll be going away. I'll be going up to Canada, out to Nova Scotia, City Crosby country, Nathan McKinnon country. Haven't seen my mom since before the pandemic, and she's been living up in Canada for the last 10 or 15 years or so. So I haven't seen her for quite a long time. Looking forward to finally reuniting. So I'll be in Canada for a little bit. I'll be in New England for a stretch of time planning the high school reunion. That's right, the 30th high school reunion for me, Guilford High, class of 1992 in Connecticut. So as the reigning president, my reign of terror continues, and part of that is planning for the reunion every 10 years, so we're doing that. Going to hit Maine, going to hit Lake Placid, New York as well. So a couple vacations coming up in July, which means a lot of off-season hockey talk in advance. And later on this week, Mike Pursuta breaks down some gambling angles with us. And like I said, Brian Taylor to talk about the U.S. Open as well. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today. 
or go to BetRivers.com.